Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Going back to 1 Corinthians 11. If you missed out on part 1 and 2, you need to go check them out and get caught up. We're already to part 3. On, by his stripes, we are healed. This healing series talking about the importance of something that we must always be reminded of in our walk with God. Why, Pastor? Because one of the most critical things you need as a believer is health and healing to carry out what God wants you to do. To be able to not only supply or provide for yourself, but also in many cases for your family, as well as the work of God. If we don't have healthy bodies, think how limited we are. Think how much that hinders us in being able to walk in the, out this life, what God wants us to walk out. Not only that, but the other thing about sickness and disease, they're thieves. They are. And they take advantage of our finances. They rob us. I mean, I'm so grateful for what doctors do. Don't misunderstand me. I, I thank God a lot, of, a lot of help has come from, you know, those in the medical field whose desire has been to help people. But, I, you know, at the same time, we've got to be careful with that because... It doesn't mean we just do whatever medical people tell us to do. More importantly, if we can really get connected with our God and learn from our God what he has for us, uh, we can avoid a lot of those doctor visits and uh, walk, in, walk in health and healing provided by our, our physician, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Say, I got a physician. He's a good one, I'm telling you. So... It is important to understand not only where it came from, the origin of disease and sickness and all that, it is also important to understand what God did, did about dealing with it. And in relationship to what we've been talking about, a little different in this series to cover basically the same truths of what we talk about in healing, is looking at it from the perspective of the Passover. So because when you look at the origin of sickness and disease, it's tied to what we know in relationship to what Scripture reveals is called death in the Bible. Death is the result of what? What's the death the result of? Sin. sin. Death came as a result of sin. Romans chapter 5 tells us, as we've already looked at. We also went to Genesis and saw clearly that's how it got into the earth, death. And death isn't just the end of something. Death is referring to that which is the opposite of what? Life. The very life that God gave us, which in the initial beginning back in the book of Hebrew, uh, back in the uh, Old Testament in Genesis in the uh, Hebrew language, the word there is referring to the life that God himself, quote unquote, has that he imparted to man. God doesn't have disease. God doesn't have sickness. Well, how do we know that, Pastor? Real simple. Jesus never got sick. Not before going to the cross and obviously bearing what was necessary for us to get well. He, he never, and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So realize you and I can walk in that kind of life. And we got to re recognize that that results from us understanding the very work of death and how all this came about. Disease and sickness itself is a form of death. It's tied to everything that's evil relating to what happened again from the fall. But thank God Jesus did something about it. Jesus was raised from the dead so that we could be raised up out of death. That's not just talking about spiritual death. That's everything that death is comprised of. 
So in 1 Corinthians 11 here, going over the communion aspect of what we know in the New Testament, of what we do in relationship to the Passover, I want to remind you before we read these verses that you got to realize again that when Jesus taught this to Paul, he wasn't, he wasn't, there's, the word communion is not in here. When he, it was actually called uh, the quote-unquote context of the Lord's Supper. This is recognizing the last supper that he had with his disciples. What was that supper? Passover meal. It's a Passover meal. And so this represents what we know back in the uh, book of Exodus, chapter 12, if you want to go study it sometime. In Exodus 12, God instituted the Passover with the children of Israel. When they were about to exit out of Egypt, coming out of what we recognize in our context, what it refers to us as coming out of sin and the grip of Satan, coming out of that, they were given the opportunity to be able to be free from all that would happen in the way of judgment passed over Egypt, which brought about death to the firstborn of those that obviously were in Egypt holding them back. So realize this represented for me and you what we've been freed from. And this was something that God did with the children of Israel to forever be reminded that just as I back in that day had death pass over my children, so can you now through Jesus Christ, as we're going to see clearly, see it pass over you. So he told them clearly, you take a lamb without spot, without blemish. You actually roast that lamb in fire. You take some of its blood. You put it on the two side doorposts. You put it on the lintel, the top doorpost. Three different areas over that, over that doorpost. And everybody that's in that home, so everybody in that house, which would mean what? That they are now recognized as being covered by the blood. Everybody in that house, death will pass them by. And so now we come to the New Testament, Jesus in the Gospels having this meal with his disciples right before going to Calvary, literally is now revealing to them in an essence of what he was sharing with them that he would become that last Passover. So he took that Passover meal with his disciples. The next day was the official Passover, but he was going to be on the cross giving up his life as the Passover lamb. And we see a lot of verses relating to this in the Bible. And that's what communion is all about. I really think for a lot of Christians, knowingly, knowingly what I see in relationship to Christians in communion, communion has just become a word and an exercise we go through in church. And when that's the truth of what we're walking through, we're not getting the benefit of the faith in the blood of what that represents for me and you. Communion is a thing for me and you to understand clearly from Scripture that represents that Passover meal, Jesus now having fulfilled it, and therefore death has to pass me by. But it won't if you don't understand the power of what Jesus did in relating the aspect of what we do in communion. So, you know, communion means to be one with. We're one with the Lord. Certainly that was made possible through his sacrifice. But again, if you go back to the quote-unquote issue in Egypt, what was the deal? Death was going to pass them by. So that's the heart of what was going on. And therefore, me and you now, being born again, can have not only spiritual death pass us by, but all that came as a result of that which includes disease and sickness. We've seen that through multiple verses in the Bible. So back to verse 23 again in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is Paul's account of what he was recognizing of that last supper, that time that Jesus had with his disciples, and that we could still continue to do this, of course, as New Testament believers. Verse 23, Paul said, I received from the Lord. Who did he get this from? The Lord. He was not in that last Passover meal. 
was not one of the 12. Sometimes we start reading writings of Paul. We just kind of, you know, stick him in with all the other 12, you know, apostles. But he wasn't. Remember, he was persecuting the church after, they, after Jesus had ascended to heaven. And then, of course, Jesus showed up to him on the road to Damascus. So he received from the Lord, how? By revelation and probably visitation. We know that because he was even caught up in the spirit, even into the third heaven. So this could have been at the time where he got this from the Lord. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So I've already shared this with you, the Corinthians. Remember, he's writing the Corinthian church to address this. I've already delivered this to you that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Now realize in the midst of this statement, we call it the Last Supper. And that, in essence, kind of what it represents kind of was true of the last opportunity he would have the Passover meal with his disciples. The problem with the Corinthians here is they're treating this just as a meal. That's the problem. They're not acknowledging the power of what this actually represents. They have gotten to a position now where I think a lot are in the church today. No, we don't sit down and have a meal together doing this. We could. But it doesn't matter where you're at on the planet or what you're doing. You don't have to have a full meal. You have to have two elements, bread and obviously what represents the blood of Jesus, and that's the cup of juice. So realize for me and you, we got to recognize this no different than the Corinthians, that we're not just seeing it as just communion. That we truly are recognizing the power of it and what it, what it actually represents to us as to what Jesus did for us. The Corinthians weren't doing that anymore. They were not doing that. This just was a meal to them. Wasn't about Jesus' body broken. Wasn't about his blood shed. It was just about getting something to eat and going home. That's basically what it came down to. So when you understand that, you can read that in the previous part of this chapter because he addresses all that. That's important to what you read here. Because now you know what he's addressing. He's addressing these Corinthians that are no longer getting the benefit. Say benefit. Of what? Death passing them by. And he's going to tell them that. He said, you're not getting the benefit of what this represents because it's, it, it is meaningless to you now. It is meaningless to you. It's just a meal. Notice again, he said, I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he, he took the bread. When he had done so, he had given thanks. And he broke it and he said, take and eat. Why? This is my body, which is broken for you. Now, some translations remove the phrase broken for you, but it certainly was at the whipping post. This is my body, which is broken for you. Again, here's the key phrase. Do this and what? So how many have grown up in church being taught that communion is, all of a, is always a time we examine ourselves, seeing if we're in sin or not, seeing if we've done anything wrong or not, and if we don't repent of all of our sin, we can't receive the communion elements properly. A lot of people have been taught that. But that is not what Jesus taught Paul. He told him to remember me, Jesus, not you. Not to think about you, but to think about what he did. And if you just keep this in context of them doing it wrong, they weren't even remembering Jesus. They were thinking about themselves by simply going and sitting down and having a meal and getting some food. Verse 25, the same manner he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is what? What is it? Tell me out loud, please. It's the new covenant, what? In my blood. This do again as often as you drink it, what? In remembrance of me. So he clearly teaches him. These are, you know, red letters in the context of what Jesus is speaking directly to Paul. These are not Paul's words. These are Jesus' words. Do it in remembrance of me. Take the bread. 
Do it in remembrance of me. Take the, the cup. Do it in remembrance of me. Be reminded that I was the Passover lamb. So if you go back to thinking about that with the Passover, how can we help remind ourselves about the power of what Jesus did by being our Passover lamb? So the lamb roasted in fire had to be completely eaten. What we don't do if we want to get the benefit of all that our Lord did for us is we recognize that we receive all of what the word says. He bought every part of me. He bought my spirit, my soul, and my body. I believe every promise in this covenant. If the word said it, that's all I need to know. Now, honestly, if you think about this, as it relates to us today, how can we really apply this in a way we understand them having to eat all that lamb? I'll tell you how. Quit picking and choosing what scriptures you believe and which ones you don't. Quit speaking against what the word says that you have as a child of God. When the Bible says this is who you are and you keep disagreeing with that, the Bible tells me, you ready for this? The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. You listening? And that therefore we have been given through Jesus all wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding. How many times do we say, well, I just don't know what to do about that. There you go. See, you're not acknowledging what the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus accomplished for you. The word himself. To eat all of the lamb meant you accept all of the word. You should look at every situation and say, the Bible says. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, I have all knowledge, wisdom, and understanding given to me by Jesus Christ. Therefore, I will know what to do in Jesus' name. Not through my brain, through my spirit, man. So to accept all of the, the context of the lamb is to acknowledge all of what the word says about you. Number two, then the second key thing is to do what? You've got to learn how to exercise faith in this blood. You've got to learn how. What are they doing by putting blood over the doorpost and the top post, the lintel? What are they doing? What are they doing? Tell me, what are they doing? Real quick, what are they doing? Can I help you? They're putting their faith in God. God told them. God told them. You take some of that blood. Think about, think, come on, man. Let's put ourselves back in their day. Let's say this is the house we got to be in. The death, the, the, the death's going to pass over tonight. And if that blood's not out there on that doorpost, everybody in here dies. What are they doing? What are they doing? They're putting faith in what God said. God said. Now, I mean, seriously, in the natural, you know the backside of the story. In the natural, you could even think, Really? Just take some blood from a lamb and just put it on the doorpost and somehow that's going to stop death from coming into the house. But see, that's where faith is at. That's where faith comes in. See, a lot of Christians today, literally, they, they make light, little of the blood and light of the blood in the fact they're not putting their faith in the blood based on the covenant God gave them. If we put our faith in the blood, guess what we believe? Everything that's in that covenant. We don't believe it's going to be. We believe it's already so because the blood made it possible. Can I get a better amen? You know how many Christians don't believe God heals everybody today? Guess what they're doing? They're not putting faith in the blood. They would have been the ones back in that day that would have said, well, I'm not doing it because I don't see how that's going to work. Well, they'd have died. And there's sadly a lot of people that die today because they don't believe healing's for everybody. But the blood of Jesus says it is. 
I said, the blood of Jesus says it is. So you got to understand this, folks. This is what we got to get a hold of to recognize the power of what we have in the stripes of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that has provided healing for us. Amen? Because death is a part, sickness and disease, excuse me, is all wrapped up in a part of death. And for that to pass us by, we got to have faith in the blood. So two things. I got to know the word, so I got to know the word. See, what if you don't know the whole of the word, then how can you walk in it? How can you get the benefit of what you don't know? Eat the whole lamb. Two, I got to have faith in the blood. Say faith in the blood. Now, more than just faith in the blood, guess what you got to do? What did they have to do? What did they have to do? Apply it. They had to physically, in their case, apply it. How do we do so? We're going to get into that. How do we apply this blood over this house that we're living in, our bodies, to see to it that death has to pass us by? 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, what are you doing? You're making a proclamation. Now, the Corinthians weren't because they weren't doing it right. But if you obviously understand the power of this, you're making a proclamation of what? You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Well, what did his death do for me and you? This is the sacrificial blood of the Passover lamb. If they wouldn't have killed that lamb on the night of the Passover, death would have taken their life. You listening? How are we proclaiming the Lord's death? Our Passover lamb has already died. By receiving communion and doing it right, I'm acknowledging, guess what? I'm proclaiming that Passover lamb already died. What's that mean for me and you? What do you mean we're proclaiming the Lord's death? Nothing else needs to be done. Just like the children of Israel. Once you cause that lamb to be slaughtered and you eat all of the body roasted in fire and you take the blood and put over the doorpost, nothing else needs to be done. Nothing else. And a lot of Christians don't realize that by receiving communion properly, receiving what I would really like to say, the representation of the Passover properly, you're proclaiming something. Jesus fulfilled what was needed for death to pass me by. Jesus fulfilled what was needed for death to pass me by. Why? I'm proclaiming his death. What death? Whose death? The Passover lamb. I'm proclaiming the Passover lamb has already died and given his body and his blood for me. And therefore now under the new covenant. I said now under the new covenant. I said now under the new covenant. We're going to go back to what we went through on Sunday night. Now under the new covenant, death has to pass me by. If you walk in the light of the truth of this and apply it to your life biblically, guarantee it works. Because just like for them, death passed them by, so can it you. 27, therefore whoever eats this bread, so now he's coming back and addressing what they're doing wrong. Because they're, they're just receiving it as a meal. Therefore, then let me, you know, just a little side note here real quick. I'm not against anybody ever having their kids join us in communion. But I'm going to tell you something. If they don't know what they're doing, it's not helping them. And the problem is it becomes now a ritual. It just becomes a routine and an exercise they go through. Uh, Drinking judgment to yourself doesn't mean you're causing problems by doing this wrongly. That's misinterpretation of what we're about to read. It just means you won't get the benefit. And what we don't want is we don't want our kids to grow up and not get the benefit of the power of what that really represents. And if all of a sudden it just kind of becomes an exercise we do in church, guess what happens when they get older? It's going to be very difficult now for them to realize the power of what they're doing. 
So that's why a lot of times we talk about with kids, they really need to understand communion to be receiving it. Because it's not just a little wafer you're going to get and a little bit of juice you're going to get to drink. That's what the Corinthians were doing. Just a meal. You listening? Notice, whoever eats 27, this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. What do you mean guilty of the body and blood of the Lord? Like putting him to death? No. No, it just means that you will not get free from what Jesus did to free you from the very uh, condemnation, the very separation from God of what God did to separate you also from the things of this world. You don't get the benefit of what he died to separate you from. You're not guilty in the eyes of God. If you're born again, you're a child of God. You have right standing with God. We covered that. You've been given the gift of righteousness. If I don't receive this properly, I don't get... Here's another way to say verse 27. You ready? I don't get the benefit. I don't get the benefit. What did the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus do? Freed you from guilt. The guilt of sin. I'm talking about the aspect of the sin nature. Freed you from it. Why? Because you got born again. You got a brand new spirit. 28, but let a man examine himself. And notice, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. What was the problem? They weren't acknowledging the power of it. So in examining myself, what am I doing? What am I doing? In relationship to this statement here, let him examine himself. Meaning what? Examine how you're taking communion. That's the point. Examine yourself of how you're taking communion. If you're just going through the motions, you're missing the benefit. That's all he's saying. That's all he's saying. Because Jesus Christ said when you receive communion, verses 24 and 25, who do you think about? You think about him. So if I'm not thinking about him, what do I need to do? Examine how you're taking communion and fix it. Think about him, not you. Don't think about your sins. Think about what the Passover lamb did. Can I get a better amen? Examine himself, let him... Eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner. So an unworthy manner would be doing what? Not giving the worth. Not giving the worth, the value to Jesus and what he did for you. You listening? See, if it's just a little exercise, religious exercise you go through, you're not giving any value, worth, to what Jesus did in that sacrifice. So you're receiving it what? Unworthily. Because you're not giving value worth to the one who, de- who died to do what? Why, why did he do this in this context? Why did he do this? So death could pass you by. So if you're doing this in a way that you're not acknowledging what he accomplished, you're receiving it in an unworthy manner. 29. If you eat and drink in an unworthy manner, you eat and drink judgment to yourself. God's not judging you. You've already been judged through the blood of Jesus. What do you mean I'm judging myself? You are not, notice this, discerning the Lord's body. You're not discerning the Lord's body. Therefore, the judgment that has come to this earth in relationship to what has happened because of sin, you're going to still be affected by, relating to the context of what the enemy can do in your life. You've been freed from his ability, if you understand a walk in faith, and in revelation of what Jesus did. If not, you're not properly discerning the Lord's body. You're saying something else would need to be done. But it doesn't. I said it doesn't. Go back to Passover. Kill the lamb. Eat the body. Put the blood on the door. You're done. Jesus the lamb has been killed. Receive what his word says. Learn how to apply the blood. You're done. He did everything that was needed. 
apply what he did. If you don't, verse 29, you're not discerning the Lord's body. You're not discerning what he did. You're not discerning him as what? The Passover lamb. Discerning here actually means to, dis- to, to make a distinction. Right. To make a distinction. So we're recognizing the, the bread and the cup. We're making a distinction. Represent. The Passover lamb, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They're not just a piece of bread. Now, you understand, I I get it. Those of a certain religious persuasion, I won't use their name, they think when you eat the bread, it turns into the body of Jesus. No, it does not. It it represents the body of Jesus. Now, some of you have maybe no idea what I'm talking about. There is a religious belief amongst some religious uh, groups that when you receive that When you receive that bread, it turns into the body. When you receive that cup, it turns into the blood. No, it does not. It just represents that very Passover lamb. Can I get a better amen? You have no verse that it turns into his body and his blood. There is no such verse. That's just man-made up idea, man, man, man-made ideology made up by man. 30, for this reason, because you're not discerning the body of Jesus. You're not making a distinction of the fact the Passover lamb is sacrificed, what's needed for you, for this reason, many are what? Weak and sick among you, and many do what? They're asleep or die early, die physically. So all that relates to what? Sickness and disease. Weak in what way? Physically. Sick in what way? Physically. Dying in what way? Physically. This is happening among you Because guess what? You're not rightly discerning. You're not making a distinction that the Passover lamb has already done what's necessary. Like it or not, I'm 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 just telling you the Bible. Like it or not, here's the truth. Anybody, sadly, who doesn't get a, a context of a revelation of this in their life can get weak in body, sick in body, and die early. Thus saith that verse right there in Scripture. Sadly. Now listen, for anybody who has died... In relationship to disease and sickness, it's a believer. They're in heaven. Thank God. Let's rejoice. But like Brother Hagin said, he would tell people all the time, if they were sick and say, well, you know, Brother Hagin, I'm just ready to go to heaven. Wonderful. Great. If you're ready to go to heaven, fantastic. But you know what? Get healed first and then go to heaven. The Lord will take you. He can come get you anytime. He can just send an angel. They'll come get you. They'll usher you to heaven. No problem. But, but if you can get healed first, you'll leave a good testimony that Jesus does what he says he'll do. Now, this is, you understand this? Do you realize this doesn't mean everybody doesn't have faith? This just may mean they lack understanding of the power of this to rightly discern. You listening? To, to rightly do what? Make a distinction. He already did what was needed. There's nothing else I have to do. There's a lot of Christians that know Jesus himself paid the price for me to be healed. But you know what? They're still trying to earn it by their own merit, by their own efforts. They're not rightly discerning the Lord's body, the blood of the lamb. And the the context of the body of Jesus being the body broken for me was all that was needed. You listening? What I got to still do is believe in every word and apply that blood to my life. Now, some may not have even learned how to do that. And if they haven't, what if you obviously didn't know what to do about how to get the blood over the doorpost? Death was going to affect you. So true of some people today. Thank God we can walk in the benefit, though, what our Passover lamb did. Any amens on that? We're not here to look back, look at what happened to anybody else. Nope, work out your own salvation. Thank God we can. 
I said, thank God we can. I'm saddened by anybody that dies from disease and sickness as a believer. It bothers me. I don't like it. I get mad at the devil. I'm angry at the one who brought it. But I cannot work out their salvation. I got to work out mine. I thank God they're in heaven. I rejoice over it. I thank God for the Holy Spirit who comforts those who are left behind. Aren't you glad we have a comforter? We're not faulting anybody. You listening? We're not saying we're better than anybody. But I want to get the full benefit of what Jesus died and paid for because he has provided this for us to walk in. Could I get a better amen? 31, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So how are we judging ourselves? What are we judging ourselves on, church? How are you receiving communion? That's all this is referring to. That's it. It's not referring to whether you're living in sin. It's not referring to whether you're doing stuff wrong. The blood of Jesus, by the way, took care of that. If you have repented, obviously, then you know as well, clearly as a believer, you still repent of your sin. Why? You don't want to keep going that direction, hurting your life. Right? If I'm living in sexual sin, am I opening myself up to the possibility of some type of disease or sickness in my body? Yes, I am. And that would be me doing that to me. Not God. Did the blood of Jesus already cover me for that sin in the sense of I'm forgiven of such sin? Yes. But if I keep living in that, I can provide a way for Satan to take advantage of my life. We're not earning anything. The blood of Jesus accomplished what needed to be done. Shout amen, somebody. So again, the judging of the self. If you just keep, here's the problem. This is where you got to be careful in taking scripture out of its context. Because if you go read the whole chapter, you'll find out what they were doing wrong. They were not judging themselves and taking communion wrong. He's trying to correct them. He said, I'm trying to bring correction to you because you, you are not obviously discerning the Lord's body properly. There are many among you. Isn't this sad? There are many among you who are weak in body. There are many among you who are obviously sick in body and even some dying. So let, he just said, let's get this corrected. So what am I judging myself on? How do you receive communion? How do you perceive it? Not just receive communion, but how do you perceive it? Are you recognizing it as the Passover lamb? That death now must pass you by. Any good amens out of this church family. But, verse 32, when we're judged, we are what? We are chastened by the Lord that we may not be what? Condemned with the world. What's he saying here? If you will let me, as a minister of God, let me, yielding to God, let God work through me, in essence, to judge you, to deal with what you're doing wrong. This is what he's saying because he's bringing correction. Right? Who, who inspired these words? Holy Spirit did. If you will let God through me judge you on this, deal with you on this, guess what you won't be? Condemned with the world. What do you mean condemned with the world? When Jesus came in relationship to the people that he actually ministered to, how many remember he said, I didn't come to condemn you. Why? You're condemned already. Well, if you're condemned already, what does that mean? You haven't received the benefit of the Passover lamb. You're, you're walking death. Death's in you. You listening? So you won't be condemned with the world. Not other believers. The world who hasn't received yet this Passover lamb. You can now walk in the benefit of what the Passover lamb has provided. This is so simple. And it's so sad to see how people twist these and misuse these scriptures. So again, 32, he says, but when we're judged, if you'll receive what I am dealing with and judging you on, guess what? You're being chastened by the Lord. What's chasing you? You're being corrected. 
You're, you're being disciplined by you not doing this right. You're, you're being corrected so that you will not be condemned with the world. Well, guess what happens to most people in the world context relationship to their body? They are many weak in body, sick in body, and die early. You still here? 33, therefore, my brother, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him go eat at home. Test your, uh, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I, notice again, lest you come together for what? Judgment, the rest I will set in order when I come. Meaning what? When I come, I'm going to deal with you on, on this. If you don't get it corrected, then I'm going to come and deal with you on this. That's all he's saying. That is all he's saying. But how many people have been taught, I got to judge myself, and if I got any sin, God can't heal me. And Well, listen, man, if that was true, that God couldn't heal you because you got sin, how in the world did Jesus heal anybody? Because they all had sin. Not one of them was born again. Can I get a better amen? But we got to recognize the power of our Passover lamb. We got to recognize the significance of, of our Passover lamb and recognizing it in relationship to what it represents that initial Passover lamb back there in Exodus 12 with the children of Israel, right? Eat all the word, take all of what God says. Don't take part of it. Take all of what God's word says and recognize too the power of that blood over your life. Know how to apply it which I'm going to teach you. I won't get all this in tonight. I'm going to teach you how to apply it. When you learn to apply it, guess what? When disease and sickness tries to fasten itself on you, guess what you can, guess what you can say? You got to pass me by. <laughs> can I get a better amen? But see, a lot of Christians don't do this. Why? They don't understand Jesus was my Passover lamb. He died on the exact day of Passover. He died at a time when they normally offered up that Passover lamb as a sacrifice. God did everything right down to the T to say, this is the Passover lamb. Now you don't have to every year come and bring one. Now you don't have to deal with this every year. Nope, it's been done. I said, it's been done. So let me read to you. Thank you, Jesus, that Kathy's excited. Let me read to you. Glad somebody is. Uh, This ought to excite you. This is a big reason why a lot of people don't walk in healing. They don't see Jesus as their Passover lamb. Well, what does that have to do with healing? Because death is a part. See me, sickness and disease is a part of death. And that came as the result of sin. And Jesus dealt with it. So in verse 27, this is the voice translation. This will make it even a little more clear. If someone takes of this bread and drinks from the Lord's cup improperly, this is verse 27, as you are doing. So the voice translation is pointing out, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Right? You know what happens every time, start a school year, right? They send out information on how everybody has to get in and drop their kids off. You ever seen where somebody's obviously in the wrong lane or whatever, you know, so you're doing it wrong. <laughs> well, guess what? Hello, Corinthians, you're doing it wrong. You're doing this wrong. So again, he says that you need to understand if someone takes of the bread and drinks of the cup improperly as you're doing, he's guilty of violating the body and blood of our Lord violating the body and blood of our Lord. Why was the body and the blood of our Lord given? In this context, why was the body and the blood of our Lord given? So death could pass you by. You're violating that, therefore you're not getting the benefit of it. 28, examine yourselves first. 
Then you can properly approach the table to eat the bread and drink from the cup. Examine yourselves, meaning that when you come to do this, recognize the power of what you're doing. Recognize what it represents. This isn't you just grabbing a meal and running home. No, this is you acknowledging the power of the Passover, your Passover lamb. Amen? 29. Because otherwise, if you eat and drink without properly discerning the significance of the Lord's body, then you eat and drink a mouthful of judgment upon yourself. Because of this violation, many in your community are now sick and weak and some have died. Meaning what? It shouldn't be that way. I said it shouldn't be that way. And may we continue to see development in this church that it doesn't have to be that way in our church. 31. But if we took care to judge ourselves, then we would not have to worry about being judged by another. How are we judging ourselves? How am I receiving that communion? Am I doing it recognizing that Jesus, my Passover lamb, that's what that represents, already accomplishes for me? Because again, if I would judge how I'm taking part, partaking of the communion, and if I would do it properly, what would we not be? Sick, weak, and dying early. How simple. If you just do this right, understand the power of it, power of the word, power of the blood, how to apply it to your life, this would not be so. This would not be so. You listening? 32, in fact, the Lord's hand of judgment is correcting us so that we don't suffer the same fate as the rest of the rebellious world. You listening? The Lord's hand of judgment is correcting us. How's he doing that? Through Paul. God's using me to try to correct you. I remember Jesus said, go into all the world, lay hands upon the... Okay, Jesus himself said, according to what we know, according to scripture in the gospels, Jesus said that he would extend his hand to ours. So when we lay hands on people, it's really not us doing it. It's the Lord doing it. It is his hand extended. Could I get an amen? So how does the Lord correct? In fact, the Lord's hand of judgment is correcting us. How's he doing that? Through Paul. To the Apostle Paul, to this very actual letter he's writing to him. Again, inspired by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God. If this letter is inspired by God, and it is, who's bringing the correction? The Lord is. Amen. So, in fact, the, Lord, the Lord's hand of judgment is correcting us. So that we don't suffer the same fate as the rest of the rebellious world. Thank God we don't have to. So we do this in remembrance of our Passover lamb. Isaiah 53, where we left off. Isaiah 53. Don't worry, that wasn't all review. I wanted to get into that more detail because we did not have time Sunday. So now we go to Isaiah 53. Now this was literally thousands of years before Jesus came and died. Here we have the prophet Isaiah speaking of this very thing. Speaking of our Passover lamb, prophesying. We read it, you know, and think, oh, yeah, we know that was Jesus. But, you know, realize when Isaiah prophesied this, he never saw it come to pass, but it did. That's right. It did. This is his prophecy about Jesus, our Passover lamb, what he would accomplish, what he would do for us. Now, clearly, did not 1 Corinthians 11, referring to Jesus as our Passover lamb, did it not say, if you'll receive revelation and insight and application of this to your life, you won't be weak, you won't be sick, you won't die early. 
Now remember that because a lot of people when you get to these verses and talk about healing, they think it just means spiritual healing. Then why in the world in 1 Corinthians 11 is Paul saying that there should not be many of you sick, weak, and dying early? This should not happen. Well, let me help you. That doesn't come from spiritual, quote-unquote, sickness. You listening? That comes from your body being attacked, which it did come out of the spirit realm initially, but it's attacking your body. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Isaiah 53, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm? That's the strength, the power. Who has the arm, the strength of the power of the Lord been revealed? He, talking about Jesus, shall grow up before him, God, as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Notice this, he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Meaning that there was nothing unique about his appearance or different because he was the son of God, obviously had no sin, in a way that they would honestly look at him in the natural and say, man, he must be somebody special. They certainly didn't do that. So he's saying there's nothing about his natural appearance that's going to cause people to look at him and say, wow, man, we should desire to know this guy. Well, obviously that didn't happen because they didn't want to know him. Most of them didn't. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men. Happened. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Now, this is the same context of what he's about to say down below here because he's talking about sorrows, pains, grief, sicknesses. A man of pains and acquainted with griefs. How? By bearing our pains and our griefs, our sicknesses. And we hid, notice, we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Well, obviously hiding their faces from him meaning what? They, just, they didn't regard him as the son of God. They showed no regard, no true reverence, no true honor, no true respect from him. That's what it's talking about, hiding their faces. They didn't look upon him as the son of God. And therefore, obviously even by society, this is why he was crucified, he was what? He was despised. They did not esteem him. They did not do what? They did not acknowledge him as the son of God. They did not acknowledge him as to who he was. Now again, this is prophesying before it ever happened. Verse 4. Surely he has what? In even context of what he came here to accomplish, he has borne our what? Our griefs. The word there for griefs in in the Hebrew is very clear. It's translated almost in every other place this way. Sickness. Same word used up there in verse 3. He has borne our what? Sicknesses. And he has carried our what? Pains. The word sorrows here is the word for pains. I mean, you know, sickness and disease can cause great pain in the body. Notice, yet we esteemed him. Talking about those who did not accept him as the son of God. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. That's what they thought. They just thought, God must be mad at this guy, boy. I mean, to tell you what, to have all the Romans do what they've done to him, to whip him the way they have, and to be able to, to, be able to beat him like they've beaten him. Imagine, that, remember, they saw him when they brought him out after the whipping post where he almost died. Imagine what he looked like. And what did the Jews of their day think? Wow, God, God must really have it in for this guy. God must really, this must be one bad dude because, man, God has truly done something horrible to to this guy for the fact that he's going through all this punishment. Verse 5, he was wounded though for what? Our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our inequities. Chastisement for our peace was what? Upon him. Here's our focus. And by his stripes, 
This is the salvation package. Transgressions, judgment, as well as us knowing we can have peace with God and therefore have the blessings of God and by His stripes we are healed. Not going to be. We are. So this is a fulfillment now of what we've already been reading in relationship to Corinthians of what they're acknowledging and representing in the time frame of the supper, the last supper or the Passover meal, or now what we know as communion. So by his stripes, we're going to be? Already are. Now, why stripes? Well, a lot of people can debate different reasonings about that and different questions about that and all this kind of stuff. Here's the simple truth. Don't get hung up on the stripes. Here's the simple truth. His body, representing the word, was given for us. Amen. And his blood shed, even from the stripes that he bore, blood shed. And if we learn how to apply all of the word and how to apply the blood of Jesus over our life, we get the benefit. We don't, for years, I used to say, Lord, must be something significant about the stripes. Da, 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 da. Listen, I, I guarantee you, every person I know, like Brother Hagen, who's walked in health and healing, did not, in quote unquote, spend their lifetime trying to figure out what was significant about the stripes. Let me help you. That doesn't help you get healed. I'll say that again. I said, getting to know about what the stripes were about doesn't help you to get healed. You don't need to know what the significance of the stripes are. There are those who say, and of course there is even some doctors who claim this is true. How many stripes did they put on him? 39. 39 stripes. There are doctors who say every category of sickness and disease could be put under 39 stripes. All I'm saying is don't get hung up on all that. What's your focus? He's the Passover lamb. I said he's the Passover lamb. I said he's the Passover lamb. And if I acknowledge and recognize what the word says... Apply the blood, death will pass by. We don't have to get all hung up. My point is, we don't have to get all hung up on how is it by his stripes we're healed. He's the Passover lamb. Period. I said period. Over there in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, talking about communion, he's not talking about stripes. He's talking about the body and the blood. And if you acknowledge it, you won't be what? Weak, sick, and die early. So my point is to say, don't get all hung up on by his stripes, all this context of stripes. Yes, the, the Bible does say that. I'm just telling you that what we want to acknowledge is that was a part of the process of the sacrificial lamb giving his life for us. And thank God it's been done. Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Because sometimes people get hung up on minors instead of the majors. You listening? You get hung up on the minors of trying to figure out what the stripes represent. Let me help you. Just recognize the major truth. He's my Passover lamb. Recognize the word. Apply the blood. Death passes me by. I won't be weak in body. I won't be sick in body. I won't die early. Any amens on that? Psalm 107. So let's look at a couple of the verses tonight really quick. Psalm 107. If you're there, say amen. Psalm 107, verse 15. God here is talking about the children of Israel in this psalm that we've been referring to in relationship to the children of Israel. Verse 15, he starts off by saying, All that men would do what? All that men would give thanks to the Lord for his... Didn't we sing it about tonight? Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. Say, my God's good. 
what should we be doing about that? We should be giving thanks. We should be giving thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. 16, for he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. 17, fools, because of their transgression and because of their inequities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. 19, but then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. What did he do? Sent his word. So he didn't just deliver them from their distresses. He also sent his word and did what? Healed them and did what? Delivered them from their destructions. 21, all that men would do what? All that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with what? Rejoicing. So you and I need to recognize very clearly right here, we see that the Bible tells us that God is even acknowledging sending his word to heal us. Yes. Now, how does that apply to me and you? Jesus is the word. Yes. See, Jesus is the word. In application from Old Testament to new now, God sent his word for me and you. And what did he do? Healed us. And did what? Delivered us from our destructions. Who was that word? Jesus. Who was that word? Jesus. Jesus was. So again, representing what? Passover lamb. Yeah. Passover lamb. The word has come. Say he's come. Yeah. So we now take, this is why you and I have to always look at the Old Testament in light of the new. So in the light of the new, we recognize Jesus, the word has come. Yeah. He has made what was needed as a sacrifice for us. And because of that, we now have what? We now have healing. And we now have deliverance from destruction. Now watch this. Back up to the first part of the chapter. Back up to verse 1. I wanted to get that in first. God sent his word. Say that was Jesus. Our Passover lamb. And he therefore did what? Did what was needed so we could be healed. And we could be delivered from destructive work. Look at verse 1 of this psalm that he began with. Look at verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord because he's what? Now, how good was he? Verse 20, he sent his son Jesus. How good is our God? He sent his son Jesus, his own son, the word, to die in your place, to be your Passover lamb, to go through the suffering he endured so you could be healed and delivered from destruction. Tell me that ain't a good God. Give thanks to the Lord. Tell me why. For he is good. For his mercy does what? So mercy, what is, so let's apply that to what we're learning. What do you mean his mercy endures forever? Okay, what's mercy? What's mercy? I am not going to get what I deserved. The mercy of God says I am not going to get what I deserved. Now, whether you think about it or not, whether you believe it or not, you and I deserve nothing of death because we weren't Adam in the garden. You listen, we didn't make that decision, but we obviously became partakers of it because of the disobedience of Adam as a representation of us. And guess what we did not deserve because of that disobedience? We did not deserve new life. 
because we were all made sinners. Because of the sin nature that was passed on to me and you, because of that sin nature that's now in us, guess what we no longer deserve? We no longer deserve the life that God offers because of the fact we were separated from God and sinful. But guess what? God gave you all of this, not because you deserved it, because he's a merciful God. Does that include healing? Yes, it does. He sent his word because you were perfect and lived the right kind of life, and so therefore you could be healed. No, it didn't say that. He sent his word and healed us. Period. Has nothing to do with what you have or haven't done. Why? Because he's merciful. Do I deserve healing? No. Did I deserve to be healed? No. Did you deserve to be healed? No. Did you deserve to be born again? No. But God gave it to us. Why? Because he's merciful. Yeah. Real quick. Verse 20. Yeah. Was one of them that I used during my cancer battle. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. You always put yourself in the scriptures. And the word them, if you notice, italicized, so it actually wasn't even in the original. He just, it just says, and delivered from their destructions. Could be implied clearly because it's delivering who? Them. So verse 1, here's what I want you to get. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good because his mercy does what? How, how long? Forever. Verse 2. What does that have to do with me and you? We didn't deserve our Passover lamb, but he gave him. We didn't deserve what came as a result, but he gave him. Watch this, too. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now we're getting into application. Now we're getting into application. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. This is application of the body and the blood. Because redeemed here means to ransom through a purchase. Meaning what? I was in bondage to somebody else. God made a payment. He delivered me from that bondage. And therefore I've been redeemed. What was the payment to redeem me and you from death? What was the payment for me and you to redeem us from death? The body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Right? His body being broken, therefore blood being shed. Where we are, we're redeemed by the blood. The sacrifice of our lamb. But what do we got to do to apply it? What do we got to do to apply it? You got to say so. You got to say you're the redeemed. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to run out of time tonight. I'm not talking about just running around saying, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Nope, 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 nope. Read this carefully. Read this carefully. Let the redeemed of the, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Notice, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You listening? Uh, Come here, Clayton, hurry. Come help me real quick. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, Merrick, you're close. Come up here. Stand over here. Stand over there. Stand right there. Stand right there. All right, this is what God did. So let's say Merrick represents tonight the evil one. (laughs) He's got a hold on me, man, right? He's got a hold of my life. Why? I'm not born again. I'm not born again. But God paid a price by sending my Passover lamb to be able to give his body and blood to do what? Redeem me. To do what? Purchase me. The moment that I looked to Jesus said, Jesus, I receive you as my, listen carefully, Jesus, I receive you as my 
In other words, I don't want to make the, my decisions anymore, and I don't want him to. I want you to be my Lord. The moment I put my faith in him to be my Lord, guess what? Guess what the devil has to do? He don't have a choice. Death has to let me go. Why? I don't belong to him anymore. Now, I belong. I belong to him. He, he freed me. Are you listening? He freed me. Because I made him what? Listen carefully. I made him what? That's the only way I get redeemed. I got to make him my Lord. Now, once Jesus becomes my Lord, guess what I got to do to keep walking in the benefit of what my Passover lamb did? I've got to make a declaration of the Lordship of Jesus over my life. Whatever area that death is trying to come and take a hold of me, I have to recognize the Lordship of my Redeemer. You listening? You guys can sit down. Thank you. I've got to make a declaration of the Lordship. This is where people miss it. How do you get born again? You will not get born again saying, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying for me. I appreciate it. Praise God. I thank you for new life. I'm going to tell you what, there's nothing in there unless your heart truly is meaning, I want you as my Lord. Now, you don't have to necessarily say that in relationship to that exact words when you get saved. People will say something similar. I'm giving my life up. I'm done. I'm tired. I've tried everything I know to do. I don't want to run my life anymore. I want you to. That's the same thing. Because you're acknowledging, I don't want to be Lord anymore. I don't want to call the shots anymore. I want you to be the Lord of my life. The moment you put your faith in Jesus as Lord over your life, for you to walk in the benefit of what he has done as your Passover lamb to free you from death, you have to keep acknowledging his lordship. So the redeemed of the Lord, and you say, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. You know how many people have done that and it didn't help them? You want to know why? They're not acknowledging the Lordship. Let the redeemed of the Lord say what? What are we supposed to say? We're really not saying, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. No, I've already been redeemed. He already purchased my life. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, say what? He's my Lord. This is where people miss it right here. He's my Lord. He purchased my body. He purchased my body. He purchased my soul. He purchased my spirit. This is where people miss it. Because the devil says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I still have a right in this earth to put this on you. No, you don't. Because I've been bought with a price. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not my Lord anymore. When the redeemed of the Lord say so, what are they saying? He's Lord over my body. Now, I'm going to run out of time here. I'll get on this Sunday morning. You don't want to miss Sunday morning. Because I'm going to show you one of the primary ways most Christians miss it when it comes to healing. Because we have to apply the word and the blood. What did, the, what did Jesus, by giving his body and shedding his blood, do? He redeemed us. Why? Why? To be Lord. He redeemed me to be Lord over my spirit. He redeemed me to be Lord over my mind. He redeemed me to be Lord over my body so that the devil could no longer be Lord over my spirit, no longer Lord over my mind, no longer Lord over my body. But if I don't recognize that 
and acknowledge the Passover lamb has fulfilled what was needed to purchase me back from you. He's now my Lord. Guess what happens? A lot of Christians let the devil be Lord over their body when they've been delivered from that. Because they're not acknowledging what? The blood. They're not applying it. They're not applying it. By what? By acknowledging, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, devil. Let me tell you something right now, a little symptom. Let me tell you right now, a little, little, little attack on my body. Let me tell you something. I know where you come from. You come from Satan. Jesus himself, my Passover lamb, paid the price to, to do what? Ransom me from you. Let me remind you. Because guess what? Guess what? You as a believer have to remind the devil. Let me remind you something, Satan. You are not Lord over my body. Come on. Let me remind you something, cancer. Let me remind you something, sickness, disease, whatever it is. Flu, cold. But see, the problem is a lot of people, the moment a symptom comes, they don't even address it. And when the symptom comes, it's like the knock at the door. And if you don't say anything, the devil says, well, man, they're just letting me come right on in. You want to know why? Because you're not saying that no, I'm redeemed. How? By the blood of the Lamb. And therefore, what do I got to do to acknowledge I'm redeemed? He's Lord over my body. You're not Lord over my body. I got to come back here Sunday, but I got to show you this really quick. Go to 1 Corinthians 6. Man, I got like three other verses I need to get to, but I need to at least get this in here. I'll come back to this on Sunday. Really quick, please. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Your body. Your physical body. What did he say over there in Psalm 107, 2? Let the redeemed of the... See, don't read over that important part. Let the redeemed of the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Jesus is Lord over my body, not disease and sickness. Why? He redeemed my body. He purchased my body. He bought it with a price. It belongs to him. My Passover lamb is already done. What was needed? So, but it won't if you don't know how to apply the blood. It won't. See, you can't just say, I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I plead the blood. There ain't a verse that says, plead the blood of recognizing your redemption. I'm telling you what Brother Hagin learned. Brother Hagin learned when he got attacked in his body, you know what he did? He spoke to whatever it was and he said the same thing every time. You're not Lord over my body. What was he doing? Psalm 107 too. I'm the redeemed of the... Meaning what? He ransomed me. He owns my body. You don't have a right. The simple way to look at it is simply this. If you have property and a trespasser comes and they don't have a right to be there, guess what you better not do? You better not let them become a squatter and hang out. What should you better do? You better go out there with some authority and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is my property. You don't have a right to be here. Now get off. Go. Right now. Amen? And what you have to do as a believer is recognize this ain't my body anymore. And it ain't the devil's. No, it's not. This is where I believe most Christians miss it in healing because they're not acknowledging the redemption, recognizing him as Lord over their body. So you're not focusing on your body. You're focusing on the Lord who bought it. 
Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? 20, underline it please. For you were bought at a price. Including your body. Your body, 19, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You were bought at a price. There's Psalm 107, 2. You were redeemed. What was the price paid? The Passover lamb, his blood shed. You were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Well, clearly, we should not want to live in some form of aspect of willful sin. Go to Revelation 12 quickly. We should not want to live in some form of actual sin that can continue to allow stuff to come on our bodies, I mentioned before. But recognize this. This is so important. you got to recognize and acknowledge what he's saying here. To glorify God in your body means to do what? Stop letting stuff trespass that doesn't belong. When you let stuff trespass in your body, that's not going to glorify God. That disease and sickness ain't going to glorify God. You know what's going to glorify God? Using what you have through the Passover lamb, the right to exercise his lordship over your body, and kick the trespasser off. That glorifies God. Because you know what people recognize? Wow, they know something I don't know. Come on, somebody. You listening? So what's the key? Man, Brother Hagin did this with every attack on his body. Symptoms of a heart attack would try to come. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The devil would say, you're not going to get healed this time. Already am. You don't have a right to be here. Jesus purchased my body. Now I'm going to show you as we're going to get into this later on. I'm going to show you that this has to do with another key significant thing that goes with this. You can't consider your body to get healed. Cannot. If you consider your body, you're not going to get healed. You have to consider the Lord over your body. You have to consider the Lord. You cannot consider. Brother Hagin learned this early on from the Lord. He taught him directly. He was lying on a bed. He was having all these heart symptoms come back. And he, was, and he said he was in such physical pain. He told the Lord, he said, I can't handle this much longer. And he would lay there and pray in spirit and talk to God. And the Lord said, the first words he heard, consider not. Amen. Consider not. And he said, what do you mean, Lord? Don't consider your body. Stop considering your body. As long as you, I've heard Christians, I've prayed for Christians that say, ooh, I must have got it, I feel better. I can already tell you they're going to walk away and not get it. I can already tell you that. Why? They're considering their body. Has nothing to do with your body. Has to do with the Passover lamb. I said, has nothing to do with your body. Has to do with the Passover lamb. The one that purchased it. And so he, would, he laid there for a while. He said, okay, Lord, I'm not going to consider my body. I'm not going to consider my body. He'd pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. And it, it would come back. And then he kept praying the Spirit. And the Lord said, but consider my son. Amen. What are you considering? The lamb. You're considering the sacrifice. So it's not important just to know I can't consider my body. What not to consider. I got to know what to consider. What do you consider? The Lord. Passover lamb. The moment he started doing that, every symptom went away. He went to sleep. Totally gone. I'm telling you, church, this is acknowledging the Redeemer, the Lord, who purchased your body. Look at Revelation 12. Come on, you know it. I got to quit. Verse 11. They overcame him. Let's back up real quick. I heard it, verse 10. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God, the power of our Christ has come for the accuser 
of our brethren, Satan, who accused them before our God day and night and has been cast down. What does he do in the accusations about your body? You're not going to get well. No, no, you're going to die. No, you're not. No, you're going to have this rest of your life. No, you're just going to have to put up with it. Is he going to give you all these accusations? He will. He's going to bring all these accusations. Don't even think for a minute as a believer you're not going to hear accusations. Because you're nobody special enough to the devil that he's going to back off and not give you accusations. He did it with Brother Hagin. He comes with the accusations. But notice what happens. Verse 11. But they overcame him. How? How'd they overcome? 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 The blood of who? The lamb. The Passover lamb. The Passover lamb. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the what? Word of what? What, what were they testifying to? Psalm 107.2. Jesus purchased my body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. My body belongs to him. Not you, Satan. Where does disease and sickness come from? Satan. Doesn't belong to you. You have no right. Disease, you have no right. You listening? Sickness, you have no right. I don't care what it is. Flu, you have no right. You have no right to my body. I adjure you in the name of Jesus, and I declare Jesus is Lord over my body. Now the redeemed of the Lord are saying so. Jesus is Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord. What am I saying? What am I saying? That Jesus is Lord over my body. He purchased it. It belongs to him. He owns it. Not you, devil. Not you, sickness. Not you, disease. You're trespassing. I kick you off in Jesus' name. Jesus is Lord over my body. You overcome by the blood of the lamb, recognizing the Passover lamb bought you, bought your body, bought your body, purchased your body, and therefore you're doing what? Testifying to it. They did not love their lives to the death. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. You, you've got to acknowledge and recognize that the Passover lamb, Jesus, has already done what was needed. We cannot, take, uh, cannot make light of the fact that he, that once and final sacrificial lamb, has already done what's necessary for death to pass us by. Already done it. And when he did that for me and you, what did he do according to Psalm 107.2? He redeemed us. What's redeemed? He purchased. See, quit looking at redemption. Oh, I'm redeemed from this. I'm redeemed from that. Recognize the key factor to redemption is he bought me back. Just what I just showed you. Satan and everything that Satan had available. Remember what he said about communion? If you don't acknowledge communion properly, you like the world will still be under what? The same condemnation. The access that Satan has to them, he can have to you. If you don't acknowledge this, if you don't recognize this, when I acknowledge my Passover lamb has come, I believe all the word and I know how to apply the blood. How do I apply the blood? How do I apply it? I'll tell you how. Romans 12, 11. How do I do it? How I overcome? I'll tell you how. The blood of the lamb has been shed. Therefore, meaning what? What does that represent to me and you? My body has been purchased. It belongs to Jesus. Amen. Does not belong to sickness. Does not belong to disease. Anything trying to get into my body that Jesus never brought has no right. Because Jesus is Lord 
over Daryl Baker's body. Now, he can't do that if you don't acknowledge it. He can't do that if you don't recognize it and with your own testimony, acknowledge it and declare it. But thank God he can. Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.